JPEGs selling for millions. WTF, right? While most of us in crypto have already wrapped our heads around the value proposition of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other crypto projects in this new developing financial landscape, this JPEG NFT manic euphoria is a lot more difficult for us to grasp. Hello, I'm Crypto Casey, and in this video, we will lay out a simple, easy to understand framework for beginners and experts alike that will help us see the current value and potential future value of this new and exciting asset class, NFTs or non-fungible tokens. This particular video explanation was inspired by a Twitter thread posted by economist and entrepreneur Natasha Che. So be sure to check out and follow her Twitter account for more interesting macroeconomic ideas she applies to the crypto world. If you haven't already, please check out my guide that breaks down what NFTs are for beginners by clicking on the link above. You can watch it before or after this video, and either way, you will vastly and more deeply understand potential new investment opportunities in this space. This week's episode is brought to you by Crypto.com, an exchange with over 100 different cryptocurrencies and over 20 different fiat currencies. On Crypto.com's mobile app, you can buy crypto with bank transfers, credit, debit cards, or crypto at true cost with no markups. They also have a desktop exchange that is solely for crypto-to-crypto trading. If you use the link below to sign up for Crypto.com, you'll receive $25 worth of cryptocurrency for free when you use the referral code CryptoCasey, all while supporting the channel. Also, every Wednesday, I conduct a weekly AMA or Ask Me Anything at Instagram.com forward slash CryptoCasey. So use the link to my one and only official Instagram account listed in the description area to follow me and ask me anything you want every Wednesday. Awesome. So let's explore the value proposition of NFTs or non-fungible tokens. We will break down this framework into two simple sections with a few concepts within each section. Section one, assets. So what is an asset? An asset is just a fancy financial term that refers to something useful or valuable whose ownership can be transferred to another person or entity across space and time. It can be something physical like gold. It can be something digital like Bitcoin. It can be something abstract like expertise. It can be a financial instrument like a 401k. Or it can be anything that helps you generate income, like a computer or a cell phone, for example. So there are important concepts we need to understand about assets. So let's break them down together. Concept one, valuation of assets. The value of an asset or what an asset's price is based on is determined by a few variables. One, how well they are able to preserve value over time. Two, how efficiently ownership of the asset can be transferred. Three, supply versus demand of the asset. Four, its ability to generate income or produce cash flow over time. Like cash flow from rental properties or income you can generate using an asset like a computer or machinery like a tractor. Five, how risky the asset is. Our NFTs are currently bearing a relatively high degree of risk due to their speculative nature, while investing in US treasuries or Amazon stock is relatively lower risk. And six, liquidity, which is just a fancy finance term that is twofold. One, it describes how quickly and efficiently you are able to convert the asset to cash. And two, it describes the level of activity in a market or how many people are buying and selling in a market and at what frequency. So houses typically have lower liquidity because it takes longer to convert them into cash, while Bitcoin has higher liquidity because there are a lot of buyers and sellers trading at high frequency so you can sell it instantly with the tap of a button for the most part. Cool. Now that we know what an asset is and what variables determine its price, let's move on to the next concept of assets. Concept two, fungibility versus non-fungibility. 
Fungibility describes an asset's ability to be evenly swapped with another asset of the same type. So a fungible asset is something that is interchangeable. For example, a $100 bill is fungible because if I have a $100 bill and you have a $100 bill and we interchange those bills or I give you mine and you give me yours, the value doesn't change. Ethereum and Bitcoin are both fungible assets as well. One whole Bitcoin is no different from another whole Bitcoin. Same goes for Ether. One Ether is no different than another Ether as the value is equal. A non-fungible asset is something that is not interchangeable and not divisible for the most part. It's anything that cannot be copied or replicated. For example, your pet dog is non-fungible because let's say you have a pet dog and I have a pet dog and then we swap dogs. Even if we had the same exact type of dog and they look the same, each of the dogs harbor their own unique personality, memories, and abilities. Real estate like land, houses, and buildings are also non-fungible assets because no two are exactly the same or perfectly interchangeable value-wise. Same with used cars. And thinking back to divisibility, our pet dogs, our houses, and used cars cannot be divided and spread out amongst multiple people. You can't buy 30% of a car or half of a house. However, US dollars, Bitcoin, and Ether are divisible and have different denominations. For example, 100 US dollars can be broken down into smaller dollar bills, and a dollar bill can be broken down using quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies. Sweet. Now that we understand the difference between fungible and non-fungible assets, let's move on to the next concept of assets. Concept three, store of value. What is a store of value? Well, assets are stores of value, and there are three qualities that both make an asset a store of value and the degree to which the asset is a good, pristine store of value versus a less desirable store of value. Quality one, limited supply. Assets with a limited supply are better stores of value than assets with unlimited supplies. Assets with limited supplies include gold, diamonds, Bitcoin, and NFTs, while assets with unlimited supplies include fiat currencies like the US dollar. Limited supplies of assets allow the asset to retain its value and hopefully appreciate over time. While an unlimited supply degrades the value of an asset over time, the more US dollars that are printed into circulation, the lower its purchasing power becomes. For example, imagine we have one whole pizza that represents the value of the US dollar. And then imagine the government keeps cutting the pizza into smaller and smaller pieces to try and feed more people. Yeah, so cutting this pizza into 1 million pieces is not going to satiate 1 million people. Hence, the degradation of the asset over time. There is a limited of gold and real diamonds on our planet, and also a limited supply of each that has been mined and readily available for actual physical use. While the limited supply of NFTs is programmed, enforced by code, and logged transparently and immutably on a decentralized blockchain which means it cannot be altered or destroyed for the most part. Nice. Let's move on to the next quality of stores of value. Quality two, durability. Durability of an asset refers to its ability to retain value over time, be transported across space, and exchanged between buyers, sellers, or inheritors. So diamonds are chemically stable and strong, making them physically durable. They have been and continue to be desired in the marketplace because they are attractive in the jewelry industry, and their physical durability is useful in making tools like diamond tip drills or diamond edge saws, which represents a more abstract sense of durability and retaining its value over time. In terms of NFTs, their transparent and immutable existence on a decentralized blockchain ledger makes the digital asset extremely durable from the standpoint of its ability to exist. Because the nature of the blockchain makes it hard to destroy 
while also making it easy to transport and be exchanged between buyers, sellers, and inheritors. Nice. Moving on to the final and most interesting quality of stores of value. Quality three, social agreement. Social agreement is simply when a substantial amount of people agree that something is valuable or has value. Diamonds have formed a ton of social agreement over time due to their durability, usefulness in tools like diamond edge saws, and their beauty and desirability from a jewelry standpoint. Gold is another example of an asset that has stood the ultimate test of time as a good store of value from a social agreement standpoint. As a hedge against inflation, it's used in jewelry and in technology. In modern times, it's actually extremely difficult for social agreement to form around potential new assets like cryptocurrencies and NFTs because it requires a near perfect storm of variables coming together at the right place in the right time. Things like laws, regulations, institutional recognition and adoption, retail recognition and adoption, and psychological phenomena surrounding the new potential asset, as well as trusted technological platforms capable of maintaining the new potential asset. So as social agreement of the original digital asset, Bitcoin, has formed and solidified over the past decade, it paved a way for the value of new and upcoming digital assets like NFTs to start gaining social agreement. NFTs have secured and continue to secure the social agreement quality of stores of value by forming strong communities that continue to expand and solidify. Digging deeper into social agreement, there are some abstract factors to consider in certain factions of these NFT communities like the extrinsic and subjective value of any given digital asset. I break down subjective versus objective value extensively in the NFT guide I recommended checking out earlier because it's one of the hardest concepts to understand when watching the million dollar JPEG mania, but will also likely be a ah, eureka moment that creates more social agreement of NFTs among us all. Concept four, subjective value. Subjective value is the idea that an item's value to a person is dependent on that person's beliefs, perceptions, or preferences. Which is why there are people willing to buy a 100-year-old printed paper of Ty Cobb baseball card, and why others are willing to shell out over $2 million for a football card of Tom Brady. Would I pay any amount of money for those sports cards? No, because I don't really like sports cards, it's not my thing. But there is clearly a market out there for it or simply a substantial group of people willing to buy, sell, and invest in sports cards. So clearly within the social agreement realm, there are factions of communities that place high subjective value on some of these JPEG NFTs. But Casey, how is their durability of JPEGs ability to maintain its value over time when you can simply take a screenshot or make a copy of the JPEG? Sure, well, we can make the same argument about having replicas or copies of famous paintings, statues, or other types of art, except in this case, it's digital. Which, when you think about famous photographers taking photos that people pay money for, yeah, I can just as easily find any of their photos and put it as the background of my computer for free. So yes, I know it seems ridiculous that JPEGs are selling for millions, but in the next section of this framework, we will go through and illustrate the long-term macro background that is creating the perfect storm and environment for NFTs to exist and thrive as an investment vehicle. So before you say, ah, Casey, people are buying and selling NFTs to themselves, creating false trading activity. And Casey, people are using NFTs to launder money. And Casey, it's all tulip mania that is headed towards a certain demise. And this will just never work in its pure insanity. Sure, we will have market corrections, but hear me out in this next section as we explore the macro backdrop of this framework outlining the value proposition of NFTs going forward. Section two, long-term macro backdrop. Once we understand and accept the current reality and long-term macro backdrop, the new global financial system will operate within, 
Everything we've discussed so far will come together and make a lot more sense as far as why NFTs will become a powerful investment vehicle. Concept one, new generation of wealth. Here are a few things to consider. One, millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha are getting older and closer to being the recipients of one of the greatest wealth transfers of human history. And two, they aren't interested in physical bars of gold. They're not interested in hanging the original Mona Lisa in their homes. They aren't interested in owning precious gems and stones. The new generation of humans largely live in the digital world. These currently static JPEG NFTs will eventually have other attributes added to them, like the ability to move and interact within virtual worlds and metaverses. And digital value within gaming ecosystems have long been proven decades ago with games like World of Warcraft. Smart, savvy business people and investors know this and see the writing on the wall. I mean, let's think about it. Just this week, Sotheby's brings in $26 million with Bored Ape NFT bundle. Sotheby's, a British-founded American multinational corporation founded in the year 1744, one of the world's largest brokers of fine art, jewelry, and collectibles, why would they auction off JPEG NFTs of cartoon apes? Because they are determined to survive in this new macro environment that is unfolding right before our eyes. They know Gen Y, Gen Z, and Gen A probably had no idea what Sotheby's was or is until they got into the NFT space. And they know what we discussed earlier, which is all of the wealth in the world is being transferred to people that largely have no interest in Sotheby's original line of business, that being real physical art, jewelry, and other physical collectibles. On Sotheby's part, this is an act of marketing, resilience, early adoption of new digital assets, and a host of other things that will give them an edge in an ever-changing environment and will probably help them survive going forward for now. Awesome. Let's move on to the next concept of the long-term macro backdrop. Concept two, global asset shortage. If you've watched my previous videos, we've discussed how there is a massive shortage of pristine collateral like US treasury bills, which is why banks are choosing not to lend and why they would rather park their cash somewhere in exchange for actual collateral like US treasuries. If you haven't yet, check out my video explaining the structure of the current financial system that breaks all of this down by clicking on the link above. So what is the global asset shortage? Since the early 2000s, there has been a massive shortage of assets on a global level. Let's explore why this happened and how it will continue to happen. The long and short is the available supply of assets is not keeping up with the increasing global demand for assets by retail investors, institutional investors, insurance companies, banks, and governments alike. Why is it so? Because the GDP of emerging markets like China and India are growing at an exponential rate. What is GDP? GDP stands for gross domestic product, and it's just a fancy economic term that refers to the total value of all the goods produced and services provided within a country during a specific time period. For example, if a country's total output for a year consisted of selling 10 pizzas for $10 each and performing five car washing services for $20 each, the total GDP or gross domestic product for that country would be $100 for that year. Simple enough, right? So when emerging markets like China's and India's GDP increases, that means the amount of wealth circulating within those countries also increases. When people, companies, and governments with newfound wealth start operating within the global economy, they want to preserve that wealth through investment vehicles. This exponential increase of demand by investors with new wealth in a world with a stagnant and decreasing supply of high-quality assets has created a global asset shortage. But Casey, aren't these emerging markets creating more assets? 
Shouldn't there be an equal amount of asset production as wealth is being generated? Not necessarily. Even though emerging market GDPs are increasing by the creation of more goods and expansion of new services provided, they still have trouble creating quality assets. This is because, like we discussed earlier, creating a new asset requires a near-perfect storm of various legal, regulatory, technological, social, and psychological variables. Since emerging markets have a difficult time creating high-quality assets, the demand for existing high-quality assets created by more advanced economies like the U.S. Treasury bonds increases substantially. In fact, the global asset shortage played a huge part in the 2008 global financial crisis. Mortgage-backed securities were created to try to satisfy the growing demand for collateral by basically morphing multiple mortgages together, chopping them up into pieces, and reselling those pieces to investors as high-quality assets. When in fact, as we all know, it was just all garbage debt that was doomed from the start. But the fact that these new mortgage-backed securities were accepted and adopted so quickly without much investigation into the underlying collateral illustrates just how much demand for quality assets for stores of value and value transfer existed during that time. And since the 2008 financial crisis, when those mortgage-backed securities were wiped out, the global financial system has still not recovered from the global asset supply shortage, and it just continues to worsen. One of the most important aspects of the long-term macro outlook is the ever-decreasing social agreement about valuations of traditional high-quality assets like the U.S. dollar and U.S. treasuries. Regardless of what generation we came from, people and institutions are losing faith in the U.S. dollar and U.S. treasuries' ability to preserve wealth and store value. Social agreement is one of the most important aspects of stores of value. As we discussed in previous videos, when the U.S. went off the gold standard, our country transitioned from being an equity-based economy, where real hard cash from savings backed dollar to dollar all of the debt people and companies were using to grow their business to increase economic output. We went from an equity-based to a debt-based economy that uses fractional reserve banking, which means instead of debt being 100% backed by cash, debt is backed by only a small fraction of cash. So as a debt-based U.S. economy continues to go deeper and deeper into debt and continues to print more U.S. dollars to circulate in the economy, the value of the U.S. dollar slowly decreases over time, which destroys important qualities that make assets valuable, the ability to preserve value and the social agreement surrounding it, which is arguably one of the most crucial features of any asset. The slow degradation of trust in traditional financial assets in the midst of the largest global asset shortage in history and ultimately, as wealth transfers to younger digital savvy investors, paints the current long-term macro backdrop. What does the confluence of these realities in the long-term macro backdrop lead to? Well, much like how quickly mortgage-backed securities gain popularity, any new asset class that can prove to do what high-quality assets do best, which is what we outlined throughout this entire video, store and transfer value, will grow substantially and quickly. So you can see how in this context, the success of crypto asset classes are inevitable. Specifically, let's talk about the NFT crypto asset class and how it will grow and become quality assets. Here's one of the most exciting aspects of NFTs as an accepted, adopted, and investable digital asset class. Remember how we discussed the difficulties emerging markets face when creating new high quality assets? Well, with the nature of the blockchain, NFTs are ultimately created, transferred, and stored on, the creation of assets is democratized. What does that mean? Basically everyone, regardless of your country and where you live, 
now has the ability to create durable, limited, verifiable digital assets that can be easily owned, stored, transferred, bought, sold on a global decentralized database. So sure, they are just JPEGs for now, but the JPEGs and people behind them create value through their stories, provenance, lineage, and social agreement within communities. NFTs will and currently are taking the digital world by storm, bringing rich, creative, and interesting features to the digital asset realm. Awesome. Thank you so much for watching this video, and I hope this video gave you more clarity about the potential future value proposition of the exciting new digital asset class of NFTs. If you enjoyed the content, please make sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel for more crypto content. So what do you think about these crazy JPEGs now? Can you see how NFTs could become a vehicle investors use to preserve and transfer wealth? What do you think about our long-term macro backdrop? Let me know in the comments below. Be safe out there.